From the EBKV studios in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, you're listening to Brotherly Pod, the official podcast of BrotherlyPuck.com. Welcome, everybody, to Brotherly Pod. I am your host, Dan the Flyer of Fan. This is going to be our pre-trade deadline episode. I have a special guest with me today. He is the co-host of High and Wide Radio. Mr. Jack Smith is here. Jack, how are you doing tonight? Doing good, Dan. It's a pleasure to be on the pre-trade deadline podcast, for sure. That's right, and we're going to get into that in a little while here, but first we are going to talk about the man of the hour, or, well, he's not the man of the hour anymore because Brian Elliott is now the man of the hour. Carter Hart pulled from the stadium series after what has been a horrendous week for the kid. He was pulled in two consecutive games uh, against Tampa in Montreal. He allowed six goals on 18 shots. Not the best setting. You know, he played back-to-back against Detroit which I don't think he should have done. Then he got fed to the Wolves in Tampa Bay, who is the best team, not just in the league right now, but the best team in well over a decade. And then started against Montreal um, in a team that is fighting for a playoff spot in their own right. Uh, Did not look good against that either. What is your take on Carter Hart over the past week? Uh, Honestly, it comes down to Scott Gordon for me. Uh, He definitely overplayed the kid. It started looking um, a little weary on the the weekend against Detroit. Uh, I actually liked that he responded really well after giving up five to Detroit, but then coming right back and having a fantastic game, winning that game three to one. But then he puts him out again on on Tuesday against Tampa Bay, which is already iffy because they're like – one of the best teams I've seen since like the Oilers in the eighties or maybe the Detroit in the mid nineties, like they're just killing it. And they're, I was nervous about them putting him out there to begin with, but same time, let's see what he has gets lit up in that game, gets pulled. Then you send him back out on Thursday and already you're in a pickle. Do you want to get him ready for this, this outdoor game and, you know, get him up to snuff, but he's been pulled at that point two times Already, or yeah, two times, and now you got coming into Montreal, who's right there in the thick of it, and they just had more firepower right right from the, the get-go. They were just, what, they scored three goals within the first half period yep. to start the game, and it's now you're in, now look at the spot you're in. He's been terrible. He's been pulled two or three times already, so now you're forced to start Elliott. There's, you know, Talbot's having his visa card issues, whatever it is. And I almost was, why not just start McKenna on Tuesday and just take your lumps? You, you get lit up no matter who's in net. But now it looks like a horrible debacle. Anybody going to that game is furious. And it really is the end of any kind of run that they had now. And now people are worried that Hart's, his confidence is shaken. So, And I got to put that on Scott Gordon. It's, it's the same thing that uh, Dave Haxtell did with uh, – with Elliot in the first place, and now Elliot's a shell of his former self, and it's a shame, but that's the situation we're in, and now we're. I, I hope the next time he comes out and plays, whether it's, I don't know when the next game is after the deadline, but I hope it's I hope it's Hart, and I hope he's back to normal. I hope he has a nice rest. It's just it's a real shame he's not going to be in this game. Yeah, he allowed five goals on 38 shots to the first game in Detroit. Did not look overall solid. Then the next night, he allowed one goal on 38 shots. He was the only reason that the Flyers really were in that game at all. Uh, And then got pulled 
after allowing three goals in the first period to Tampa, then got pulled after allowing another three goals to Montreal. I believe he was announced as the starter for the stadium series on Wednesday, which would have been before the Montreal game. Why, (laughs) why play him if he just got pulled on Tampa? He played three games in four days at that point. Like the kid clearly needs a break. I just, I don't get it. They, they set him up to fail so badly and really it's been for a while now even going back to the Pittsburgh game last week he allowed three goals and 27 shots this kid is being tested more often than not I mean he's 38 shots versus Detroit 38 shots versus Detroit 27 versus Pittsburgh 32 versus Anaheim 42 versus Vancouver 44 versus Edmonton you know he's been playing a whole lot of games he's been taking a whole lot of shots it's just This kid is tired. I don't care what anybody says. He needed a break. If they knew they wanted to play him in the stadium series, don't start him against Montreal. Simple as that. Yeah, and you got to figure that this stadium series game, it's their outdoor game. It's against Pittsburgh. You want all your stars there. Like, you're not even scratching Simmons, hoping that he doesn't get hurt before the trade deadline. You, You want everybody out there. And what kills me is I got people on Twitter and even guys like Russ Cohen saying, like, you know, Jordan Biddington from, um, St. Louis is like, he's the goalie to watch. He's really turning, you know, their season around in St. Louis. It's like, what do we forget about Carter Hart here? Like he's got no defense in front of him, unlike St. Louis. And Biddington doesn't face, as you alluded to, as many shots as Hart has. And seeing him start to give up more goals, it's like, yeah, he needs a break. I understand you're trying to figure something out with your backup goalie with Talbot and that whole debacle. But it it was clearly too much. He is 20 years old. And he's facing like a record, not a record, but a ton of too many shots and it's showing and he's starting to, he's not, he didn't, doesn't look as sharp to start games. And I'm glad he responded well against Detroit, but Detroit's a bottom dwelling team. So now he's out there against Tampa. what did you think was going to happen? And then there's Montreal right there in the race. They're trying to make the playoffs. And they're one of those cities where the play it's playoffs are bust every single year. So it just didn't make a whole lot of sense. And the wheels are really falling off the train here and here we are and it's a real shame too because at very at the very least you were hoping he could really show his stuff at that outdoor game nationally televised game the whole the whole nine yeah the flyers are 14 points out of first place they're eight points out of third place and they are now seven points out of the second wild card spot currently held by carolina they are 28 26 and 7 they have played 61 games there's 21 left their playoff odds have dipped to just 1.4 percent given their last two losses it's done them in um uh, Carter Hart obviously being pulled from the Stadium Series game does nothing to help the fans. Twitter isn't melting down at this point. Um, but rightfully so. I think there are people that paid quite a bit of money to go watch Carter Hart play. Uh, I think Gordon... I was fairly neutral to Scott Gordon up to this point. You know, he's done some things well. You know, he let Travis Sanheim play. He took Oscar Lindblom out of Dave Hoxtell's doghouse and let him play. But there are things that he's done that just really kind of drive me nuts. And this goaltending thing, which we just, you know, dealt with with Dave Hoxtell, we were hoping that it would be over and it wasn't. You know, I I talked about this back around the All-Star break as well when Carter Hart played five straight games then and everybody busted my balls because it was, you know, it's like, oh, it's only five straight. He's a starter. He's supposed to play this many games. But like... He's 20 years old. He should, you know, he's 20 years old. He's facing all these freaking shots. You're 
setting this kid up to fail, and it was just a matter of time before it happened. He's tired, he needs a break, and unfortunately this break is coming in, you know, not the most important game of the season anymore, because it's essentially not, but it's still one of the bigger games of the season. Probably the last time the Flyers will get an outdoor game for a couple of years, given this is back-to-back. I just don't get it. I think that this mismanagement of Carter Hart has really soured my take on Scott Gordon. Uh, has he done the same for you? Uh, it's part one of part two of why I've soured on Scott Gordon. And the other reason is Andrew McDonald. He's had some comments recently uh, just backing up his asinine play. And it goes back to when Scott Gordon was the head coach of the Islanders. And guess who was there? Andrew McDonald. And it, it's I'm, I'm pretty sure he's going to be bought out. But his comments make me nervous, and you add that with how he treats his goalies just like Hacksaw and how well that went, except for this is our prized possession. You don't mess with our prized possession. This is all we have looked forward to this season anyway. That game you were talking about, everybody bought tickets because they thought the Flyers would be competitive this year, and this would be an important playoff position kind of game. Well, that's not the case, so hey, let's see Carter Hart, and now that's out the door. And so I... I liked originally how he was chirping on the bench for you'd be happy if Hackstall opened his mouth at all. Uh, the players felt he, they could talk to him. He's a very smart guy. He can just talk for, about hockey just for hours and just blow your mind away. And players felt like they were in a better place, and the results were there. But now it's, he's showing some Hackstall tendencies, which we we're all not a fan of. And, yeah, I mean, if people were starting to think, well, maybe we should, we should consider uh, bringing – Gordon back, you know, and just go with him as our head coach. I'm, I'm, well, hopefully that's no longer a thing. We can go full, full, you know, let's go get Quenville. Sorry, his name slipped my mind. Quenville or a big name like that and just put this Scott Gordon stuff to rest. I'm sure he might have a spot in the organization somewhere. He's a good with younger guys, but I think this proves that he's not the guy for us going forward. Yeah, I, I just don't think. He's the guy. I thought for a while that he could at least come in and, and help a little bit. And to an extent, I think he has with certain players. But overall, the tendencies are still the same. You mentioned Andrew McDonald still playing in the lineup. Even though Phil Myers is up, Myers is in the lineup because Radko Gudis is out after trying to decapitate Nikita Kucherov. Um, he played 20 minutes and 28 seconds versus Montreal. He will more than likely suit up for the uh, Stadium Series game as well. Hopefully see some time in there. I like what I've seen out of Myers. I think that his play is just as strong. Um, I think he does do some things that could be considered risky if you're a coach, especially if you're a safe coach. Like, there's no way this guy would succeed under Dave Haxtell. Um, I don't know what he's going to do under Gordon, but I think all we can hope for at this point is that when Gudis returns, that Myers finds his way into the lineup, hopefully for either Haig or Gudis. Obviously, the trade deadline is Monday, so you know they could potentially move a defenseman. We'll talk about that here in a little while. But Myers has looked good. I think that he could really be a mainstay in this lineup. I don't think, you know, he obviously hasn't played a whole lot. He played uh, just short of 10 minutes in one of the Detroit games as well. So he has not really had the chance to show off anything. He's pointless. He's a plus two thus far. I think Myers has a legitimate chance to come into the lineup if given a chance and really, really earn his spot here. Oh, absolutely. And I've been waiting for Myers to come up for quite some time. If anything, he's been a little overbaked in uh, with the Phantoms. And um, 
you know, he's the one bright spot from that Montreal game. Like you said, he played over 20 minutes. He kept it simple. I think that's why we're really not seeing any kind of points or anything out of him. He really kept his game simple, which is a smart thing to do when you first get up with the big club. Uh, he, Although he was a little bit aggressive, which is nice to see. Not too much, nothing crazy, but he was playing aggressive. He just generally looked like he belonged. I mean, I know our defense is nothing to write home about, but when you're like, in your 20 minutes of play, you look like you're one of the top three or four guys on the team, and it's only your second NHL game. That's a huge plus, and that was in a blowout loss. So I was very happy what I saw from Myers. I know it's not earth-shattering numbers or anything, but it doesn't start there. It starts with this. And like you said, they're talking about him like when they brought him up and he was practicing with the team. I don't know if it was Scott Gordon who said this, but they want him practicing with the team even though he wasn't playing yet, and he was called up like – he sat for like three or four games. They expect him to make the team out of camp next year. They expect him to be a mainstay. And I love that line of thinking. It tells me McDonald's going to be bought out. Gudis could be moved. Maybe they do something with Hag. I don't know. The point is the kid's going to be up here and he's got the skill and talent to, to do so. And he's showing it. And it's just, like I said, it's the one good thing I can talk about in the last couple of days. Yeah. Myers has been up for, uh, I believe two weeks now and he has been, essentially practicing but not playing. Obviously, the fans are were getting very impatient because guys like Haig and McDonald are still playing. Ugh. I don't hate the theory of letting him practice before he gets in. I, I think that's good. I think letting him develop a little bit of chemistry with some of these guys that he hasn't played with a whole lot uh, is a good thing. But, you know, the fact that McDonald is there, obviously you have somebody like Myers. It's like, why the hell is McDonald playing and Myers isn't? Uh, I think, again, hopefully that changes. With any luck, they, you know, they make a move of the deadline to get one of these bodies out of the way and they can slot in for Myers. Uh, but... To say my expectation that if they do not move a defenseman, that they are all of a sudden going to sit somebody for Myers, I don't know if I believe that just yet. Yeah, and, and the way Scott Gordon is, especially after the comments I heard about McDonald, it seems very unlikely. My guess would be Hag. Um, I don't see them unless Gudis gets himself in trouble. I hope. I hope he gets smoothed. I hope somebody overpays for him or he's a sweetener and a bigger deal, which is pretty unlikely. But, you know, McDonald's not getting moved no matter how many times he falls and people dance around him or he gives up the puck. Or honestly, I've never seen a player who is a quote-unquote presence who has zero hockey sense. I don't even know if he knows where he's supposed to be on the ice half the time. But yet he's this big presence that the team needs, the team that made the playoffs two out of what? It's going to be five years and got bounced in the first round pretty embarrassingly. So I'll, don't ask me to try to understand that one because I never will. Well, Brian Elliott, who is going to start this game, he has played 16 games this season. He has six wins. He has a 2.51 GAA and a 9.16 save percentage. Numbers aren't that bad. You know, he got he did his best coming in against Tampa. He did his best coming in against Montreal. He has not started a game since uh, mid-November, I believe. You know, I'm not the biggest Elliott fan. I never really have been. Um... I'm curious to see what happens with this goaltending situation. As far as I know, Cam Talbot is with the team. I believe he uh, got there before Montreal's game, joined them uh, before Montreal's game. I'm curious as to why, you know, Talbot isn't playing yet. Uh, I can understand kind of letting Myers come in to get used to the system, but as a goaltender, you know, I don't think there's 
uh, as big of a system to learn. So I'm, I'm curious to see what they're doing. You know, there's obviously the excuse of, well, we're going to showcase Elliot for the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't think that's the case, but I'm curious to see what happens. If they keep all three goalies, you know, obviously this isn't going to be a problem when summer rolls around, but in the short term, this goaltending situation is getting very out of hand very quickly. Yeah, I seen a thing that said our goaltending situation is anything but solved. I mean, yeah, for this season, but um, I think the reason Elliot's playing for the outdoor game is he's a, a name that you know the casual Flyers fans know. Um, he was a starter. It's not like it's Neuverth, you know. It's, it's a guy they know because if this is just a regular game, I think Talbot starts uh, on Saturday. But because it's such a important showcase, you know, NBC or whatever game, they're gonna go with the guy they know who's. The use to the team has that communication with the defense, which, as you asked Morazic when he was with when he was here, was a huge thing. Um, so, and I think it is a little bit of showcasing because the trade deadline's coming up fast, and they they really don't have a whole lot of a time to do anything. And you hope you get something for him. I don't know how many suitors would be out there, but you, you got to try. And um, I think that's what it comes down to. Unfortunately. This whole whirlwind of a week with Carter Hart has really led to the, a lot of question marks. So I guess you just got to roll with it and just see what happens. And if you know, honestly, if Fletcher can make something happen at the trade deadline, then we'll be thinking differently of it. But if <laughs> if no, no goalies get moved and it's just the three of them, I guess we'll have to see going forward. And I don't know how I feel about Scott Gordon with that one, but you know, I'm curious to see what Tam, Tam Cam Talbot has and can do. Uh, I really want to see Hart get back to where he was and just play him how you play a normal goalie. You're not pushing for the playoffs anymore. So just relax and get everybody their time and just see what happens. Well, we talked about Cam Talbot. Let's talk about the trade. It was Anthony Stollars for Cam Talbot straight up. Now, this has been my fourth show this week, so I've ranted about this for days now. But I just, I don't like, I don't know. I'm not a fan of this trade. I think... Ultimately, I think this trade is the reason why this week happened, because they don't have a backup. You know, they didn't have Talbot for, what, five, six days after the trade. Stollers at least could have come in and taken the flack on, you know, one of the Detroit games or fed him to Tampa Bay, something. I think that, you know, this trade was ultimately the reason all this happened. Cam Talbot, uh, he is 31, uh, he is, yeah, 31 years old. He's played 31 games this season with 10 wins. He has a 336 GAA and an 893 save percentage with one shutout. Progressively been getting worse for three, four years now. Uh, He's brought in because he's friends with Carter Hart. Obviously, the priority is trying to make Carter Hart as comfortable as they can. From a hockey decision, I don't know. Again, I don't know what Talbot has left in the tank. I think that these next couple weeks of the season are going to be interesting. Obviously, Carter Hart is now no longer immune to being sat, even though they just ran him into the ground for the past, you know, however many games it's been. I'm curious to see what Talbot brings to the table. I I hope that he can be at least a decent backup, but, I mean, at this point, I am skeptical to say the least. Well, to get into the trade real quick, I haven't been on Twitter very long, but this is one of the first trades I've seen where everybody has been divided. Almost yes. always it's been like yep. 70-30 or something like that where they agree with the trade or they just go with their fanhood. I got into it with a few people, and I'll never get into it on Twitter again. There's not enough characters per tweet for me <laughs> to say how I feel and yep. really you know, explain it. But I just the, the way I label this trade 
honestly, is just poor asset management. If you really wanted Talbot, you could have had him in free agency. You're not getting into a bidding war with anybody over Cam freaking Talbot. All right. You have Solars, who, what, he turned away, what, 73 of 75 shots in his last two games. Yep. Why can't you move him for picks? Why can't you move, add him with, like, Simmons or somebody to sweeten a deal and get a better pick or a better prospect? Like, that's what good GMs do. Uh, a lot of the people were telling me, well, he's, he's got a history of knee injuries. Well, first off, it was one knee injury that he re-injured while he was injured already. It's not like he was fully healthy, came back, and re-injured it. It was a freak thing. So I, you can take that and just shove it. Somebody also said on Twitter, it was a necessary shit trade. There is no such thing as a necessary shit trade. <laughs> There's just trades, good and bad. You don't have to make a bad trade on purpose. That makes no sense to me. So I, I it, it was average GM move. You took money off of Edmonton's books and did, they didn't give you anything to, to do that for them. It just – this could have been done a lot better i don't see the need for talbot now like you said stolars could have played you know gave hard a break and not have this debacle we're in now and then at the trade deadline or this weekend here you telling me nobody would be interested in a 25 year old former second round pick who's playing it really good finally you nobody's interested in throwing you a, a fourth or a third or in a a bigger deal with simmons or gudis or something like that that's hogwash like come on like it just blows my mind and everybody's def defending the trade you know you could have had the guy for free whenever you give up an asset to get something you could have had for free it's a bad move it honestly is in my mind yeah, I, I pretty much agree with everything you said. I think you're right on with the Flyers Twitter. That was the first, I've been doing this for quite a few years now on Flyers Twitter, five or six, and usually it's pretty one-sided. You have most people that agree, and then there's a the couple assholes that don't. But this one was this one was pretty divided. Uh, I, I, I'm not a fan. I, I think that it was just, it was bad timing. You're going to trade your backup in Anthony Stolarz two days before you play... They played four games in six days, and he was traded, you know, the day before that happened. It's just, I don't, uh, you set your team up to fail when that trade happened. And obviously, Carter Hart, and then having to play, you know, those four games, it didn't look good in three of the four of them. You know, yeah, it, it, it was the snowball effect that led to this, and that trade is just, it sets a bad precedent. I said this on one of the other shows this week. You Flyers are going to have a lot of players like Anthony Stolarz over the next three, four, five years that are middle-of-the-road guys that, you know, can play some good hockey but maybe won't be superstars that they're going to have to deal for picks, players, whatever. And the fact that you set the precedence now that you're going to move one of these young guys with the potential to eat a whole bunch of cap space for some just random name in Cam Talbot... I just don't get it. I think this move could have been done, like, at the actual trade deadline. I think you're right. I don't know how many people wanted Kim Talbot. I don't know if there would be a bidding war if, for some reason, you know, he had to waive his no-trade clause to come to Philly because he wanted to play with Hart. Like, just sign him in the summer. You're telling me people are going out of their way to line line up Cam Talbot? I don't think so. This is just It's just one of those trades that happened at a really bad time. It was a trade that didn't look good for the Flyers, and now it has essentially taken them out of the playoff hunt, whatever slim chance they had, which I believe they were around 5.5% uh, before they made the trade. So it's just, 
this has just not been a good week for the Flyers from start to finish. Their lone trade thus far does not give me a whole lot of hope for Chuck Fletcher in the upcoming couple days here. Let's move on to the trade deadline. The trade deadline is Monday at 3 p.m. What do you think we are going to see out of the Flyers heading into the trade deadline? Well, um, my pessimistic side honestly (laughs) believes I see that Simmons is either not traded or if he is traded, the return is not what I was looking for. Um, I don't think Gudis gets moved. I think there's a chance Roffel gets moved for something small, and I don't think Elliot gets moved. I don't think they've seen enough of him and – more nor is there much of a need um however on simmons there is a lot of chatter right now and what happened today was really big for us as flyers fans who want to see simmons moved uh that was uh there are three big dominoes that we know we were waiting for and most gms as well were matt duchene mark stone and anary panarin and with columbus trading for duchene they're saying they're not trading panarin so two dominoes just fell and nobody who was interested in the dominoes got that player. So now it's down to Stone. And right after Stone, you're looking at guys like Hayes, Simmons, and I can't, there's another guy in there, I can't remember who it was, maybe Furland from Carolina. Like all their prices just went up. And you got teams like Nashville, Winnipeg, Vegas, Boston, Toronto, Tampa, Colorado, St. Louis, Montreal, Calgary are all in the mix for these type of players. And some of the, some of the trade scenarios I've seen coming our way are interesting. I don't the biggest one I see Simmons connected to is Tampa Bay. I don't understand that fit to be quite honest with you. Yes, um, you know, just when you say it, yeah, they're they're about to lose some guys and they really need to win now. But if you look at Tampa Bay's lines, tell me where Simmons fits. On their top line, you have Stamkos, Kucherov, Point. Second line, Johnson, Poliot, Yanni Gord. Third line, Kilhorn, Cicerelli. Or Sorelli, excuse me, uh, JT Miller. And you still got guys like Adam Ernie and uh, Ryan Callahan on their fourth line. So where does Simmons go in that lineup? Like, I, I don't understand why they're going to give up any substantial uh, prospect or pick for Simmons. He's what? He's going to play on their fourth line in their second power play? I, I don't see that being a thing. So where do, where do you think Simmons is most likely going to end up if he's traded? You know, that's a good question. And it's funny, I haven't really heard any one team that's kind of in the lead. I've heard Tampa, and I think you're right. I don't know if there's a definitive line. The only reason I think they would bring him in is if they are so convinced that it's win now or never. Um, And given how good they are, I don't even think they need him. Uh, I think they'll be just fine without him one way or the other. You know, if they really wanted to, they could make it happen. You know, I I think you'd be a good fit for a team like Winnipeg. I think he fits their kind of playing style. I think he could help. Uh, There have been rumors with Nashville as well, but I don't know. I I don't think Nashville, I don't consider them as big of a threat this year as they have been. Uh, They've made a couple trades over the past few weeks that have been mainly for depth guys. So they could see that. You did allude to the Matt Duchesne trade earlier today. Matt Duchesne of the Ottawa Senators was traded to Columbus along with defenseman Julius Bergman. He the return for Jonathan Davidson, Vitaly Abramov, and two first round picks, 2019 and 2020, the 2020 being conditional that Duchesne must sign an extension with Columbus, but that sets the bar pretty high 
in terms of rental forwards. Uh, the other big one is going to be Mark Stone, who's also a senator. Uh, obviously, they're not going to trade Panarin now. They're going to go all in for the playoff push, which, if I remember correctly, they're not in the playoff picture. Now they are sitting outside by a point. Uh, Penguins are in third place in the Metro with 71 points. Carolina is currently in the second wildcard spot with 70. Blue Jackets are behind them with 69 points. However, they have two games in hand on Carolina. So their playoff odds are still pretty heavy. They're obviously going to try and sneak in and do their damage this year. You know, I think it's going to be an interesting one. I, I think you're going to have a player like Wayne Simmons who is still looked upon fondly in the league. He's still considered a leader. There's been a lot of people that go, oh, well, I think you're going to be surprised by, you know, how little he gets in return. I don't think that's the case. I think people are going to be surprised by how much he does get in return. Um, I think he's probably could draw a first-round pick from the right team if you're desperate enough. Again, I think a team like Winnipeg, uh, who, you know, made it to the Western Conference Final last year, could be thirsty to get back there. And if they feel like Simmons could be a big enough hit, they could really be willing to give up a whole lot in return for him. I totally agree, and if Chuck Fletcher plays this right, as in he plays one team off the other, the two main uh, two main series I'd be talking about here is first Toronto and Boston. I don't know if either team is really in position to acquire Simmons at this point, with Boston uh, acquiring Charlie Coyle to shore up their third line center and uh, Toronto using their first round pick to get Jake Muzzin and shore up their defense. Both teams love a Simmons style of player Toronto needs them more than Boston even though they're higher in the standings if they're going to play Boston they're in they're going to be in trouble and uh, Michael Agello can ex- attest to this he he's a Toronto guy he knows the struggles they've had with Boston and it's at the point in Toronto where if they get bounced in the first round Mike Babcock's going to be on the hot seat and that's saying something so I would like to see Fletcher try to play one off the other there and get the best deal if possible. But it, what I really would like to see is Winnipeg trade for Mark Stone. That would push the envelope with Nash, Nashville to really jump the gun. And if we can get Eli to, uh, Tolevanen, Tolevanen? Tol- I think it's Tolevanen, really nice young prospect that they've had. I've heard a lot about him. You'd think I would know how to say his last name. But like he's 19 years old, right wing. I mean – one for one, I do that all day long. And like you said, a lot of fans are like, well, you're not going to get that much for Simmons and what have you. And I don't disagree with them, but a lot of the hockey people who actually run these organizations, they value Simmons. They value his leadership and grit. And they're going to trade for that. They're going to pony up, especially come playoff time. And you just got to play it right. And I think a lot of how I feel about Chuck Fletcher going forward is going to depend on how this uh, Wayne Simmons trade goes and with Duchesne and Panarin being taken off the board and none of the teams being interested in Simmons being a part of that I have more expectations for him now and I really want to see something ha- I really want to see a good return I mean a first round pick is like the least of what I want to see yeah I think you're right on the Fletcher thing as well you know I was fairly lenient of Fletcher moving forward. I believe the first article I wrote for Brotherly Puck was, you know, why you should give Chuck Fletcher a chance. And, you know, overall, he didn't do a lot of overly dumb things in Minnesota, but one of the things that he did trade-wise was he made a lot of moves that essentially just didn't matter. They were just kind of moves. And I think the fact that the first trade he makes here is, well, not the first trade, because the Dale Weiss, uh, Christian Foline trade would have been the first one, but 
the the Stolars trade. The fact that that trade was just kind of, eh, you know, that it doesn't set up a good pace. But again, I think he could really redeem himself, you know, in the eyes of the fans if he has a good trade deadline. Aside from Wayne Simmons, who do you think we're going to see on the move on Monday? I would like to see Gudis moved if they are given a really good package. I think Solars would have been a great guy to pair with him to a team before, like before Toronto got Muzzin, it would have been perfect. They need a backup goalie. They needed a defenseman. So something like that, but I don't think that's going to happen. However, Raffle is the, the, probably the most popular name that would go right behind Simmons. And I, I, what are you going to, I think you'd be happy to get a third. Uh, I think a second's a little too much, but a, a, like a team like Winnipeg, could really use a raffle, a team like, you know, I could see Tampa putting them on their fourth line. Like they, they, you can see they're so top heavy. Well, I don't want to say top heavy, but like they have two great lines, a decent line, and then he would slot right in on that fourth line really well. If they're really going to go for it, and none of the big names are there. Like you said, they're already amazing. I don't know what else they really need. Uh, even Calgary, just teams like that. There's plenty of teams who could use a raffle on their team. Uh, Elliot, I don't see a trade for Elliot being feasible at this point. Uh, the teams I wrote down are like Toronto. I don't know if they make a move for Elliot to be their backup simply because their starter sees a ton of shots uh, and, and plays a lot. Colorado, but I don't even know if they're a playoff team at this point. Maybe Calgary. I, I just don't see a whole lot of need for Elliot. Uh, Raffle, I see plenty of need. I see Vegas, St. Louis, Tampa, uh, Toronto, Winnipeg. Calgary, San Jose, it's like a cheap move to those strap, those cap-stricken teams who could just slightly improve like the bottom half of their lineup. And um, it's for Gudis, unless somebody overpays, I don't think it's happening. So if it's just Simmons and Raffle, I'm happy. If it's just Simmons and the return is really good, I'm happy. But I would really like, I don't see why I can't move Raffle, Elliott, and Simmons or Simmons and Raffle and then hope to move Elliot. I don't see Gudis. I don't see somebody ponying up for Gudis. So end of the day, they move Simmons for something really good, especially with how the fans have adored him, which he's going to need to really get a return. Uh, I would be happy, but I think anything else is extra credit at this point. You know, Simmons is the guy and, you know, you just got to hope the return's good. Well, for the record, the Avalanche are one point out of a playoff spot in the West. Oh, there you go. I I, I think you're pretty much right. I, I think Simmons is a given. Um, Raffle is probably the next best guess. I really like what Raffle brings to the table. I think the fact that he keeps getting thrown on the turn uh, keeps getting thrown on the top line here is bad. You know, he's not the offensive guy, but he has a very solid pair of hands to have in your bottom six. Um, you know, I like his game. I like what he brings, you know, from the hockey point of view. So in that sense, you know, any team that I think is up on him, you know, knows what he's kind of about, I think could do well. Again, I think a team like Winnipeg would benefit well from Michael Raffle. You know, defensemen, ideally, just because of the bodies alone, I think it would be safe to get rid of Gudis, who still has a year left on his deal. Um, I think getting rid of him is going to be more interesting. Uh, I think maybe this last suspension may help, may scare some teams away, or at least may scare away a bigger return from what we would have seen maybe a week ago. Um, I think, you know, again, I, I think they have... Gudis and Haig, both are kind of plug-in guys at this point um, that could realistically fit in, you know, the bottom pair of a 
team that really needs a defenseman, neither one of which is making a whole ton of money. So the potential is there. Obviously, they have to plug in Phil Myers somewhere. They have Sam Moran, who looks to return, you know, in the next two weeks here. So they definitely are going to have a whole lot of bodies. So getting rid of one or two of those guys at the deadline could definitely help. Elliot, I don't know. I'm not up on every team's current goaltending situation to make the proper judgment call, especially out in the West, uh, about who needs anything. There's not any major injuries off the top of my head that I could think of um, that would, you know, require somebody to take them on. Um, It's just, it doesn't look good. I think the fact that this stadium series game is going to be his first start since the middle of November. Uh, certainly does not add to his resume. The fact that he spent a majority of the last calendar year on IR uh, does not help either. Maybe they could get rid of him, but I quite frankly, I feel like they're going to have to carry three goalies for the rest of the season. Again, all this shit works itself out over summer as far as the goaltenders go anyway, which is just fine. But for the time being, you know, I think Simmons is your lone guy that's going to be a guarantee. Raffle and Gudis are extras that could draw a big return to a team that knows what they're getting. Yeah, and it's a shame that Gudis took that that penalty or that suspension, I should say. Um, really surprised it was only two games with his history, but he's right. He until that play, he was really at his peak value with having that extra year. It would have been an ideal time to move him. I'm like, I cannot believe that I heard rumors about a first round pick being involved to possibly snag Gudis. But you know, people get a little bit desperate come playoff time, and it's definitely possible. Uh, you mentioned uh, Samuel Moran. Did you see that the Flyers loaned him to a uh, QMJHL team? Is he allowed to come back to the a- uh, NHL at that point? That tweet was from four years ago. Is it really? Yes. <laughs> You're right. It says 2014. What a dick. I saw that this morning and was like, what? And then I thought about it. I'm like, wait a second. He's not junior eligible. And checked those I was going to say, can they even do that? No. <laughs> I was going to say. I, I, you know what? I, I saw it and I was like, you bought it. <laughs> <laughs> Negative Dan would be all over this, and he's not. Something's wrong. <laughs> oh, yeah. I would have opened the show with a 20-minute rant if that was real. Well, it didn't make any sense. I'm like, they want to see what they have. Why the hell would they do Is it even doable? Like, I was going to say, okay, you good. I, Hook, line, and sinker. They got you. I bought it like uh, Sam Carducci bought the uh, that trade with Talbot and <laughs> Simmons and whatever the hell. <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, let's see I here. I figured you're the guy to go to for a Samuel Moran uh, rumors. Yes. The greatest defenseman of all time, Samuel Moran. Get it right. I hope so. I was I was big on that draft. I was uh, he's coming off of Pronger's heels. I was I'm with you. Well, uh, uh, let's talk about some other players that have made their lineup. Travis Konechny been playing better as of late. Uh, he's been another one of Gordon's kind of quote unquote experiments in terms of what he's been doing. He has, you know, during the Dave Haxtell era, he was often scratched or benched, rather, during the third period. Thought that would stop when Gordon got here. That has not stopped. It's happened quite a bit lately. But, you know, this is a kid that drives me nuts in the sense that he shows a lot of potential, but he really hasn't truly broken out yet. I think you can say that for a lot of guys. Lindblom is another one, Nolan Patrick as well. But these guys that have all this potential that are in the Flyers lineup, and I think it makes trading guys like Wayne Simmons interesting because they don't have that kind of of you know that that sure thing 
that bullet in the chamber that can really make things happen. And, and Jim and I talked about this on Wednesday as well. They just don't have a whole lot of guys in the lineup that can be that all-around force. They have Couturier and Giroux. And I think a lot of guys are counting on Morgan Frost to kind of come in and be that role. But overall, I just think that they, the best thing they can do is find a prospect for Wayne Simmons that can really kind of come in and be more of a sure thing. Because I think this lineup just needs, they need somebody, again, they should have done this this summer with somebody like Ryan O'Reilly or, you know, Tyler Bozak or whoever they could have brought in that could have helped shore up this team's offense. But James and Reams, like, just hasn't been getting it done. They really need somebody, whether it's at the trade deadline or over summer, that can come in and just be, I don't want to say veteran presence, but they can offensively bring this lineup to the next level and they can help guys like Lindblom and Konechny kind of take that next step that they just really haven't taken yet. I think it's really important they address uh, another center, whether it's a second or a third liner. But to your point, Mark Stone, if he hits free agency, he's my target. A top line of Stone, Giroux, and Konechny is would just be phenomenal. And I, I really would – that's my guy. I mean – I don't think you're getting Panarin with with the comments he's made about warm weather city or like a huge market like uh, New York or what have you. Um, but yeah, like they don't have the pro like the uh, one reason Corey Prongman always ranks us very low in our farm system is one he doesn't rank goalies high at all, and two we don't have that like stud stud prospect. We and the ones we do go right to the NHL like uh, Nolan Patrick. So yeah, I, w- I mean. Of the guys who are going to be available, I'm assuming that Columbus is going to a full court press to re-sign him, regardless of the picks they're giving up, because Bobrovsky and Panarin are gone. You're not getting Panarin. You're not getting Carlson. I don't see that being anything. So, like, who else is really available that's a stud guy who can do exactly what you were saying? And to me, it's Mark Stone. Now, ideally, you want a center, but I still think he's he's good enough where you could have such a top-heavy top six, really, when you, you consider who you have. And I just that idea, that first line, that would that would be ideal. That would really be great. And I, until you they start developing somebody, I don't think Farabee's that guy. I, I like him, but they don't have a top prospect. So you hope Morgan Frost gets a shot, and maybe he can be like a third-line center. You got Patrick, you got Couturier. And if you need to, you move Drew back to center, and that solves your center woes. Um, but then if you have those like heavy, those stud wingers, the goal scoring just is endless. And hopefully with the goaltending, the defense have more um, confidence, and Ghost can turn his seat. You know, let this season go to the wayside. And by the way, don't trade Ghost. I know he's having a bad year, <laughs> but you will you will lose that trade. It, it just look at history. If a guy, an offensive defenseman, has a poor year, and you you have a trigger finger, and you just move him, you're probably going to lose that trade. So just ride it out. He's got a great team friendly contract. It's not like you're losing on like financially. Let's start over next year. We'll go with Carter Hart. We'll make a big free agent acquisition. And I guarantee you next year – oh, and by the way, if you get Joe Quenville, you, I think next year could, if they do things right, it could really be exciting. Like, And I think a big free agent acquisition, my guy's Mark Stone, Joel Quenville, or a bigger name. You, I think next year we're – you think la- this year was a – you know, a playoff should be the goal. I think next year you're looking at like winning around maybe two. 
Yeah, I think, you know, Hextall did a decent job drafting. He found potential in the later rounds, which is good, but one of his biggest flaws was really kind of failing to find that sure thing. You know, he kind of stumbled on Morgan Frost. You know, there's still talk of Farabee being good, but again, you know, he's he's not, I don't think, a sure thing. Those guys, you know, people who didn't know who Jay O'Brien was going into the draft, you know, then raved about the kid for months. But, you know, I just think that he never, he skipped over quite a bit of talent to find the good character guys, which drove me nuts. Now, there have been no rumors of this, but you mentioned Mark Stone. I haven't heard a single rumor. I'm just shooting from the hip here. If you're the Flyers, do you make a run at Stone at the trade deadline? You're going to be a buyer. It wouldn't affect the playoff hunt because they're essentially out of it at this point. But they have a whole bunch of cap to spare. If you bring him in at the trade deadline, he's already yours and you won't have to you know, bid for him. You can try and re-sign him then. Would you uh, make a run at Stone even if it cost quite a bit at the trade deadline? I mean, I would really want to talk to him beforehand. I'm not giving up a ton of prospects when I have no chance at the playoffs. Um, I don't want to throw – because if I'm looking at giving up Morgan Frost to get him, there's no way in hell. So I look at my other prospects. Am I giving up Radcliffe? I don't really want to do that. Am I giving up Wade Allison? Ugh. If I can have him for free in the off season, that's a good question. But I think I lean no, but barely. Only because there's unless there's some kind of guarantee or I'm allowed to talk to him beforehand that there's any chance of him re-signing, I don't want to give up too many of these prospects that it would take to get him. I don't think I can throw an Alb Kubel out there and they'll take the, with a pick and they'll take that. I think we can't give up a first round pick. We're probably going to be in the lottery, and some of our prospects that are coming up, I I kind of yeah they're no sure things like you say, but I, I do like them and I unless they take a collection of guys that I don't think will ever make it or are the outside looking in, that's a really, that's really risky. If they were in playoff position, that'd be the way to go for sure. If they're, you know, if they're like Columbus right now, definitely do that, but it's going to cost too much. There's too many other teams like Winnipeg are going to get, are they're going to give up too much for you to woo him to get traded to you. And then you gotta, you're looking at paying him what? Like nine and a half million a year for God knows how long. That's a tough sell. That's a really risky move. I'd rather take my chances in the offseason. Well, now that the Flyers' upcoming games are essentially irrelevant, let's take a look. They play Pittsburgh tomorrow in what is sure to be an interesting game, unless it gets rained out, which at this point, I'm pretty sure most fans want it to get rained out. They then play the Sabres, Blue Jackets, Devils, uh, Capitals, Islanders, Senators, Capitals again. The Flyers' playoff hopes are essentially nothing at this point, but they could still play spoiler. Uh, if they beat the Sabres, that would do uh, damage on their chance to try and push back into the playoffs. They could beat Columbus. You know, that would uh, hinder their playoff odds. Devils are essentially out of it. Islanders are still in first place, somehow still in first place, by, uh, I believe, a hefty margin at this point, too. They got, yeah, they got three points on uh, Washington with a game in hand. That's insane. Uh, what was I talking about? Yes, uh, the Capitals and then Islanders Capital. The God, they play the Capitals and Islanders a lot coming up. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be an interesting finish here. I think now that these games have 
essentially no meaning. Uh, I think there's no reason why you can't throw uh, Cam Talbot in there for quite a bit over the next you know week and a half. Let Carter Hart sit in the bench. Let him get some air. Let him take a break because I, I think they rode him very hard over the past two three weeks. Uh, I just think it's time to, you know, kind of put the season in perspective, sit back and try and play spoiler for the next, you know, month and a half left of the season. Yeah, I totally agree. This is the perfect time. Like, I think the Phil Veroni experiment needs to come to an end. I mean, I don't think he made a fool of himself or anything, but I want to see guys. I don't know if he's still injured, but like Alb Kubel. I believe he uh, is, yes. Yeah, like, I don't Anybody on the Phantoms that's young needs to come up and just why not give them a cup of coffee, see what you have. I don't want to get into a situation like where you're forced to trade a guy like Cooper Morarity to the Oilers. I mean, Hexwell got a good return. He was a six-round pick. He got a third-round pick back for him. But, like, what's the point in drafting all these guys if you're not, they're not going to make your roster, they're not going to see what they're made of, and then you're just trading them for future picks. Like, it kind of defeats the purpose. So, like, why not see what you have, evaluate, and then you either make some moves or make some decisions and, you know, pull them up. That's the whole point of this when you're out of it. And I would, yeah, like you said with Talbot, yeah, let's see what he's got. Maybe, you know, the Oilers are horrible. <laughs> like, they're just, I can't imagine Talbot being happy there. Like, so he's, you know, going into next year, depending on what they do, he could be on like a playoff, an actual playoff team. And maybe even if they make the right moves and get off to a hot starter, cup, cup contending team, or at least go, f- if you can win one round, you can win two. And if you can win two, you're in the conference finals. So, Maybe he'll be happier. Maybe he'll play better. He's. It's all not on his shoulders. He's the backup. Him, him and harder friends. So like, let's see what he has. Let's see what the younger guys have. I want to see more Myers, less McDonald, less Hag, less Gudis. Honestly, like I wouldn't even mind seeing a guy like Corbin Knight up here simply because he's supposed to be this penalty kill specialist that was going to save our penalty kill. So let's just see what we have. It's all we got left. And yeah, play your hearts out. Play spoiler. You know, ruin it for Columbus. Ruin it for whoever. And that's the whole point of this at this point. And it, it, anybody you bring in from trades, I don't know what they're going to do with Simmons and who they're going to get back, but if it's somebody who's like a tweener between the AHL and the NHL, let's give that person a chance. You know, This is the perfect time for that. I wouldn't even mind seeing Mark Friedman up here at this point if he really, obviously Sam Moran as well. This is the time to mix and match and really evaluate, see what you have, go into the offseason, make your moves, decide – if you want to sign this guy and trade those guys and you could really reshape your roster and instead of having a rebuild, have a retool and then we're ready to go next year. Yeah. You know, I think giving these kids a chance is the best thing. I think if there's one thing Ron Hextall failed miserably in doing during his time here, it was testing his kids. It was seeing what he had in the system. He was a guy that was so focused on drafting and then had no follow-up plan once he drafted. And the fact that it's been, you know, four or five years now, and we still don't know what Moran has. We don't know what Abe Kubel has. We don't know what, uh, you know, quite a few of these other kids have. He failed miserably. And now it's kind of up to him. You know, I believe there's, uh, I don't have the injury report in front of me, but I believe there's quite a few players that are still injured. I know uh, David Cachet is hurt. Last I heard, Albi Kubel was hurt. Rubsov is still out, as far as I know. Um, you know, there's still quite a bit of injury. So a lot of these guys that, you know, should be coming up and getting their feet wet are hurt. But again, you know, I, I think we're going to see Moran back in a couple of weeks. I wouldn't mind seeing Myers up there, um, Friedman up, rather. 
give Myers some playing time. You know, reasonably, you can get rid of, you know, Gudis, Hag, and McDonald and, and replace them with those three. I think that would be the way to go. I think there's so many guys that, you know, we just don't know the ceilings of yet. The fact that we got quite a few more, you know, young players coming over the next year or two here, you know, with the, the Frost and Radcliffs and Allisons and, and such, it's going to be an interesting thing. You know, there are going to be a lot of bodies that are going to be here at training camp next year. And uh, they need to make the right moves in internally before they make any moves outside. And I think it's going to be a very important summer. They need to do something. Uh, again, I, I still think swapping the core around is ultimately the right move. Um, I, I think this is going to be an interesting conversation after Wayne Simmons has moved, see what they get for him. You know, if they, if they go the, you know, pick and prospect route, if they try and find somebody, you know, who's more NHL ready than just picks, you know, a, a higher prospect, um, that would be ideal. But, you know, it's going to be an interesting week here. And I think it's going to be an interesting summer. It needs to be a very important summer. I do not envy Chuck Fletcher at the moment. He's got his hands full. Um, but I think the goaltending is going to be, essentially null and void at this point. You got Hart, and they clearly see something in Talbot, so he's probably going to get re-signed. Uh, they've talked about bringing Sonstrom and Krell Ustmenko over for the AHL tandem in their goaltending, which should be great. That should set that where they should have no reason to worry about goaltending this summer. They can focus solely on building the forwards and defense, which desperately, desperately, desperately need a shake-up. Yeah, and one of the uh, defensemen that I've heard Chuck Fletcher's been connected to is obviously with the Wild is Jared Spurgeon. I don't know how much I'd give up for him. I don't know what his contract looks like. I also, I just generally don't like the idea of a GM gets fired in one location, gets hired, and immediately wants to start trading for his own players. Yeah. And I, listen, there's there's bigger fish to be had is the way I look at it. And I'm not saying you have to sign Carlson, but I'd rather nice. go if, it would be great. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> my Mark Stone dreams would go right down the drain, but I think I'd be okay. I'd sleep fine that night. Um, they have enough prospects, at least on D, where I think the, one of the main problems has been had these defensemen, young defensemen, you know, Provorov, Ghost, uh, Myers, Sandheim, been coming up, and they're like veteran defensemen been chemo teaming in, that's something I can get behind. Their veteran defenseman is Andrew McDonald, and that makes me like ill. Like I, it just, I don't, I don't. It they need a better guy there. They need, I understand trading for Spurgeon, but I, I'd like an, a some kind of older defenseman who's doesn't have to be a stud, but I like him to be good. Like you know, have hockey sense, be able to skate. Where where it looks like he's wearing skates and not flippers when he's out there, and just do snow angels on a two on one. And, like, I feel like that, that would benefit them, where, as it seemed like, these guys are just forced to play with McDonald as they go through the system, and it's like your rite of passage. It's like your trial by fire. And I think if they get behind a, a defenseman who's won at the top level, who's solid, who's good, and they just see how he prepares for games, and they see how he gets himself ready, gets himself pumped, and just stays that way, stays consistently, that'll go a long way for them, because we've seen Ghost Provorov both regressed this year. They've Provorov's turned it around a little bit. Ghost hasn't. But that's that's scary because Provorov's contract's coming up, and you don't want to overpay him if he's trending the wrong direction. I think he'll turn it around, but it's definitely something to worry about. Uh, Santa has been our des 
best defenseman this year, and I want to see him get better. I don't want to see him regress. Now Myers is in the fold. You put those like four those four guys with like some kind of I mean Carlson obviously be great, but some other like really good solid veteran defenseman, and then your your sixth guy at that point you know Hag or good doesn't really matter. That's a solid decor who's young and is only going to get better and they're going to get better together. So that's the defense. And in an offense, you, they got so many guys coming. You got to consider Frost, Rupstoff's got before he got hurt, he was really turning it on. So you got to consider he's going to push. Frost is almost a gimme at this point. He's just destroying juniors. So, and then you got other guys pushing too. Like Wed Allison is a Simmons clone, uh, Radcliffe. I don't think he's ready, but he's pushing. And in like in two years, Farabee's going to be a name. So it, it, I'm really curious to see what he does. And the thing about Fletcher is these aren't guys he drafted. And a lot of GMs, when they come into a new situation, guys that they didn't draft, they don't necessarily like. So they might start moving them out. I'm not against that as long as the, the moves are smart and he doesn't get rid of the top guys for non-sure things. So – I don't want him to see him moving Frost or anything like that, but I wouldn't mind him moving some other guys if he really thinks he, a deal is to be had. Um, you know, like Edmonton considering moving Polyolivary or something like that. So there's a lot of different directions you can go, and it's a really good point you made about this offseason. It's a huge offseason, and um, what, not just player-wise, coach-wise, and just I want to see the direction that he's going to take the team. And I'm going to get an idea of that based on what he gets for Simmons as a return at the trade deadline. Yeah, as for Jared Spurgeon, he has one year left at 5.1 million. Uh, he has 12 goals and 37 points this season. Had, does have seven power play points, 120 shots on goal. So uh, the price certainly doesn't help. Uh, the 5.1, it's not bad. It's only for one more year, and the Flyers could definitely afford it. It would hinder their free agent spending a little bit. But the thing about the free agents, though, is aside from Eric Carlson, it is a mess of a, a defenseman this year. They have Tyler Myers as well, which is just what the Flyers would do. Bring in two Myers just to confuse the hell out of me every night. <laughs> uh, you know, Jake Bollmeister, who is no spring chicken, 36, oh, and declining horribly. Alex Edler, who's not getting any better. Zdeno Charo, who's 42. Mark Mathos, 34. Nick Cronwall, who's only 38. Jesus, I thought he was like 70 by now. You know, they got Strawman as well. It could be an interesting name. Jake Gardner, Braden Coburn, Michael Dozato. Hey, hey, reunite those two. Oh, my Ron God. Ron Hainsey was 38. You know, 39-year-old Brooks Orpik, uh, 37-year-old Derek England. You know, there's not a whole lot of, of really pretty guys out there. I, I don't know how I would feel about Strawman. He's not my favorite, but I, I guess he would be an improvement over somebody like McDonald. But the fact that he's playing on a pretty good team um, – you know, would would make that interesting. Again, I think Carlson, it's going to be Carlson or Bust for defenseman this year. I wouldn't mind Myers. Um, I think he'd be interesting. He's already 29. God damn, time flies. But um, yeah, I, I it, it's not going to be the best free agent market. I think they're going to be interesting. And you mentioned something about the defenseman, and, and Jim and I talked about this for quite a bit on Wednesday this week. But the defense core that we've been talking about for years the Provorov and Gostaspear and Hag and Moran and, and Myers and all these guys that, you know, we've talked up for, you know, five, six years now. They're all here, with the exception of Moran. They're all here, and they're not as dominant as we would hope. Now, it is a down year for Provorov. It is a down year for Gostaspear. 
you know, Sanheim is finally getting his chance and Myers is finally getting his chance. So the final product has not been seen, but it worries me a little bit that there's no, you know, sure thing left. There's no real defensive prospect we're waiting for. So, you know, I think the best thing they can do is cut some of the dead weight. You know, by the grace of God, they will hopefully buy out Andrew McDonald um, rather than keep him around for another season. But... You know, I, I think they need some help, and I think you know m- making a trade is probably the best thing. Carlson is probably going to make an obscene amount of money that the Flyers could reasonably fit under the caps, at least short term. Uh, probably won't look good, you know, down the road, but they're going to need some big help back there. I, I think the best thing they can do is just get rid of the dead weight, get rid of McDonald, get rid of Gudis, even though he is playing well. I just don't think he has a long-term future here. You know, get rid of Robert Haig, who, you know, could be a good plug-in guy for another team. He's not making a whole lot of money. You know, that way you're just left with the skin and bones, the 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 Provorov, Myers, Sanheim, uh, Goss's spirit, of course, the greatest defense in all time, Samuel Moran. <laughs> you know, it's funny. You're going through some growing pains, and you thought you had that sure thing in pro overall. And you still might, but this season was a pretty big wake-up call. And whether you want to blame it on coaching or bad goaltending, the guy straight up looked confused in his own end at some times, and that's not something you would have attributed to him in previous years. We knew Ghost was an offensive guy, but pro overall was supposed to be your safe guy. He was supposed to be your team and in, your what you know, I won't say pronger because he was huge, but you know, if you got Carter Hart, I understand if they want to look at some kind of big defenseman, but Carl, like you know, stay at home stud defenseman. But Carlson's not that guy, he's been criticized a little bit for his play in his own end. He's really known for how many points he puts up. And if there was like a Drew Doughty on the market, that's the guy I would almost I would go after him before Stone, build through your goaltending and your defense much like the devils did with brodor with guys like scott stevens and rob niedemeyer but or scott niedemeyer excuse me <laughs> big difference um, that's how the kings made it when they won ex- their cup exactly yeah. yes the you know goaltending you know, and defense was just unstoppable exactly yeah you know they had some pretty big names back there one i alluded to but also slava Voinov, jake muzzin like even jack johnson when he was somewhat good was back there at that point and that's what you build from the net out it's not it's been done before Unfortunately, I don't think Carlson fits that mold. Well, I would still, con- if he was interested in coming here, I'd definitely consider signing him, but that would be on a more offensive move. I'd really push for the offense and just take your lumps on defense. Um, so, yeah, the the young guys are here, and we really don't see, like you said, that, that sure thing. I don't think it's too late for that, but it's definitely questionable because Provorov was my guy. Like when he, I was watching that draft, and when they they got him, I cheered. I thought for sure the Devils were going to take him because they're that's they've always drafted defense, and he fell to us. And I thought it was the greatest thing since sliced bread. And he's played very well. And then this year's been like eye opening. Like holy shit! Like this is supposed to be the guy. This is supposed to be our chemo, our Desjardins, or wh- whoever you want to say. And <laughs> he's making some bad decisions and I don't I'm just hoping it's a just a bad year all around and he can turn it around and I'm confident he will just not as confident as I once was and yeah that that one guy isn't out there to like lead the way or take over for a little bit the only the n- names you named I would last year I'd have taken Strollman this year I think Tampa Bay's looking at re-signing Coburn over Strollman I never thought I'd hear myself say that 
Uh, outside of that, maybe Mark Mathot, but that's none of these guys are good. None of these guys are like nothing I ideal. Have to have. You know, Carlson is, but for all the wrong defensive reasons because of the offense. So I just I think they should focus on offense. I think they should bring up whoever they can and work it out. And then I, hopefully they bring in a stud coach who can make it happen and make it gel. Yeah, I, I think that's the best thing. I, I think they just they need to kind of figure their things out. I think there's so many issues that they've had and again it comes back to what we've been talking about you know the testing the kids they failed to do and now they've got a couple other prospects that are scheduled to come and make the change but at the same time this core is getting older and you know the fans are certainly getting more and more restless they got Carter Hart now who looks like he could be something but given that he's still behind this horrible defense uh you know he is getting left hung out to dry more often than not and I just think they need to do something defensively. I think a trade is probably the best route. You know, again, Carlson Carlson would be nice, but, uh, you know, he's not the worst defensively, but he would certainly be an improvement over um, four of the six guys the Flyers have right now. But it's just, unless you're all for getting rid of Ghost and saying that Carlson's going to be your sure thing offensively, you know, and the other thing that helps with Carlson is that he could eat big minutes and I think that's really what they need they need a good defenseman that can eat big minutes because I, I think Provorov's tired I think he's falling to the same fate that Carter Hart is they're just they're working this kid so hard so young that he's just tired he's played heavy minutes since he debuted as a 19 year old it's just they need somebody that can go out there and match his level of ice time that can match his level of play in that ice time I think he just is doing things this season that we haven't seen, but he's also doing it, you know, because he's carrying the team. They don't really have that other go-to defenseman right now. Nobody really, I mean, even Gostisbehere's minutes haven't been that high this year. You know, McDonald is still playing a lot, but his minutes have been cut over the past couple uh, months as well as years as well. And it's just, they need help and they need more help than just relying on a couple prospects to make the change. Maybe in three, four years from now, Myers and Sanheim will be those top guys that can help eat minutes. But for the time being, they're going to need somebody in the interim. And uh, hopefully they can find them this summer to really give them a fighting chance going into next season. That's a really good point about Provorov. I, you kind of forget that at times because he just seems so good right off the bat. And I think right off the bat, he was playing like 20, 25 minutes yep. a game. And, you know, we're so used to seeing McDonald and uh, Nick Schultz and, uh, <laughs> oh, God, what was, what's his name? Um, Mark Streit, like those guys. And it's nice to see this young kid just take over and just be such a smooth skater. Um, yeah, I mean, can you imagine having a veteran? It just, it just kills me. I keep coming back. The name that pops in my mind is like if Kimo Tiemann had just played a little bit longer – you know, and not have blood clots and just stuck it out. Like, I would love these guys to have learned from him. They're learning from Andrew McDonald. And it's like, I feel like he's stunting their growth. I, 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 I don't know if I'm being, if I'm being too hard on him. I actually they, saw somebody bring that up on Twitter the other day, that, that, that Andrew McDonald is poisoning the rest of the defensemen. I mean, like, yeah, that's <laughs> – I hate him too. That's really <laughs> – over-the-top poisoning, but at the same time, it's not that crazy. Like, you see how he plays. He's got zero hockey sense. He's got, 
he's not always in the right position. He's flopping around on the ice like he's trying to swim. Like, I, I just, how could you look up to this? And then you hear how the team talks about him, how he's a present. <laughs> I'm like, I don't understand. Like, I played hockey growing up. Yep. If I've had guys who were talkers, a lot of them could play, but there were a lot who couldn't. And the ones who couldn't, you didn't take seriously. So how is he a presence if he's a clown on the ice? I don't get that. What is he doing behind the scenes? <laughs> like, I, if that's the case, make him the a coach of some kind. I don't care. Like, he's there's no way he's. You can listen to him in the locker room and then watch him play and think, well, you know what? That's what I gotta do. Like, there's no way I couldn't take him seriously. I'm he, sorry. I get a little. He's got pictures of Paul. Gets me heated. Like, I just too much, too long. And I, yeah, it poisons a little rough, but at the same time, I don't disagree. And and you see it, you see it right here. This guy Provorov, it was like the Carter Hart of defensemen outside of the awards through his uh, junior years coming up and all that. And he gets here and he just kills it right away, and then he regresses out of nowhere. Him and Ghost were con- were considered like a elite pairing last year. What happened? You know, it's it's I don't. They really could use – v- it doesn't even need to be an all-star. They just need a, a good, solid veteran defenseman to be on their first or second pairing with these guys and just – that would go a long way. Oh, and getting McDonald the hell out of here as well. On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being very likely, 1 being not very likely, what do you think the odds are McDonald get bought out this summer? Nine and a half, I'd say. Like I, I almost would say like just – have him be a seventh defenseman or send him the Lehigh Valley and just eat the money. But the more I hear about it, the more it sounds like they're just going to buy him out. Cause I think it's like 1.1 million over the next four years or something like that compared to next year, 5 million. The, I'm not against it because that makes me think they're going to make moves in the off season, like signing somebody, trading for somebody. So I hope they're done with them. It seems the players have made a push to keep them as well as they have Simmons, but it sounds like they're still going to trade Simmons and they're still going to uh, buy out McDonald. And it, uh, honestly, they're both the right move. I'm, the McDonald error is over, thank God. Like Me and Jimmy had a podcast. We were talking about the Flyers last time and they were like making a playoff push and they made a free. Uh, they made a trade for the playoff push. You know who the last big gut name they named, they traded for? It was Andrew McDonald. We got bounced in the first round. Like this guy may be the worst defenseman in Flyers history when you consider the price. We gave up a second and a third to get him and how just how I think he's affected the young guys on this team. It's time to move on. This core has pushed for McDonald and Simmons and they've done nothing but when they do make the playoffs, uh one every other year, they get embarrassed and they get embarrassed by a division rival. And I think the fans are sick of it. I think management is sick of it. There's a part of me that really, really, really wants to believe that he's going to get bought out. But there's the other part of me that goes, oh, God, they don't have the balls to pull the trigger because he's still seen as some kind of leader. And that, ugh. That's what it means. Some kind of leader. Like, who's saying that? Like, Veteran that presence. Hello. <laughs> Somebody said that, like, uh, on Twitter. Like, they were like, Drew Simmons and uh, McDonald, veteran presence. And then he's got the A on his jersey. And Ugh. then you hear the comments Scott Gordon made. And it's kind of like, what? Do, do you guys not watch tape of your own games? Like, I, I don't get it. Like, I can point out so many times where he just randomly falls, where he's not in the correct position. I can think of a play in the playoffs last year against uh, Pittsburgh where he looked up ice, 
overskated the puck, and it literally led directly to a goal. I think that's what it is. Most of his mistakes lead directly to goals, more than any player on the team in the last, I don't know, five, six years. It's how do you, how do you get behind somebody who makes those kind of mistakes? Like I, I just don't understand when he speaks how you take that seriously. And I don't I don't know. Maybe he's a really nice guy or something, but it just it baffles me. He's got photos of Paul Holmgren in sexual situations. I was literally going to say he has photos on somebody. <laughs> I was going to say I was going to, and I'm like I'm not I'm not going to go that far. Yep, they, it, I agree. It has to be something stupid like that. Well, we got the Stadium Series game tomorrow. The Carter Hartless Stadium Series game tomorrow. Unless it rains, then it gets moved to Sunday, which is supposed to rain on Sunday, too. So, going to be an interesting one. See if they, you know, even play outside. Hopefully, with any luck, they, uh, you know, they can pull out a win, upset the Penguins. But not looking good. These have been our predictions for the trade deadline. Where can these good people find you on Twitter? I am at Jack underscore FHW. Um, me and Jimmy will be having a podcast, our trade deadline special, on Sunday, probably around 7 o'clock. Uh, we will have a special guest from NHL trade deadline rumors. Or, I'm sorry, just <laughs> NHL trade rumors. Um, I'm actually hoping that something happens beforehand. Uh, I'm a little nervous if they wait too long. They might miss the boat. So, yeah, look forward to that. Um that's going to be an exciting one. I can talk, talk trade deadline all day long. I used to take off of work just just for it, <laughs> just to see what happens. Well, that's right, boys and girls. You can find me at Dan the Flyer Fan. You can find the site at Brotherly Puck. You can find the show as well as all the others at Brotherly underscore pod. If you want to count down Carter Hart's win streak with me, you can do that at Heart Countdown. You want to listen to the other podcast, that's ONB Puck. ONB Podcast does have a live event this Sunday uh, at the Steam Pub in Southampton. Uh, let me get the exact directions here. 606 Second Street Pike, Southampton, PA. That will be uh, the ONB Puck. I may or may not be there. I'm trying my damnedest, but uh, I, I does not not looking good. I don't think I will be there. But um, the Daily Puck girls will be there. Members of PSN will be there. Uh, it'll be a fun time. So go out and support them. Uh, go out and support them. It'll be a lot of fun. Um, as for everything else, I believe I will be back Monday night, the night of the trade deadline with Angry Jim, as well as special guest Mike Asito on Brotherly Pod. We will break down all the moves or lack thereof. For the Flyers that day, ONB Puckcast will return on Wednesday the 27th. Yes, Wednesday the 27th we'll be back. So the heavy week of podcasting still going on. I will be back with BPW Radio on Sunday as well. So that has been it, boys and girls, for Brotherly Pod. Look for more episodes of Brotherly Pod in the future now that the Flyers are out of the playoffs. We don't have to focus solely on this trade deadline nonsense anymore. So I'm going to get some more fun guests on. We will talk Flyers hockey. For Jack, I have been Dan. We will talk to you later. Goodbye. <laughs>